0: Hey, it's Mark. The phrase, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV, has become a staple of our comedy lexicon to be used anytime we're confronted by a medical issue that's beyond our grasp, which in my case involves anything that requires more than a band-aid. But for about a decade, actor Patrick Dempsey played what became one of TV's most well-known medical roles, Dr. Derek Shepherd, the neurosurgeon on Grey's Anatomy. As with our previous celebrity guests, he has a compelling health angle, his Cancer Center Initiative. And Dempsey played the TV doctor role for so long that people now kind of project that role onto him, which facilitates his efforts to promote the center. I sat down with Patrick after his day one keynote, along with SurvivorNet co-founder and CEO Steve Alperin at The Health Front, hosted by PHM last week. He was extremely gracious, well-informed, especially as it pertains to the holistic needs of cancer patients, and open and honest about the inspiration behind the center, his mother, who passed away in 2014 after a long battle with ovarian cancer. His mom endured no less than 12 recurrences. For Patrick, she was a living lesson in resilience and became the inspiration behind the Dempsey Center, which opened its doors in Maine in 2008 and is now operating in several states. In advance of Mother's Day, coming up Sunday, May 14, it's our pleasure to bring you a one-on-one with Patrick Dempsey. And let's is here with a health policy update.
1: Hey Mark, today I'll give a rundown of the bipartisan push in Congress to reform pharmacy benefit managers, Plus, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy calls out loneliness as a public health threat.
0: And Jack, what's on tap this week on the health social media
2: front? Yeah, so this week we're switching up our formatting for the segment to highlight the top three healthcare stories trending on social media and dive into each one of them. For this episode, we have Michael J. Fox's emotional interview on CBS Sunday Morning, a TikTok challenge that leads to a teen in the hospital, and Maybelline teams with Pinterest for a mental health awareness campaign.
0: I'm Mark its Editor-at-Large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing and media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. This is Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MMM, and we're here at The Health Front, an event hosted by Publicis Health Media. And I have the great privilege of sitting down with actor-turned-health advocate Patrick Dempsey, uh, who just got off the stage after a fascinating keynote with Steve Alpern, CEO of SurvivorNet, on the power of supportive care and community care in cancer. Patrick, you played a doctor on TV, but as you pointed out, that was a different discipline, right? Yes, indeed. He was a neurosurgeon, yes. <laughs> and not, an, not into oncology. Right, but, but we're here to, to follow up and talk a little bit more about your personal work in healthcare, including uh, your collaboration with Pharma and your Center for People Living with Cancer, the Dempsey Center. And uh, one in three of us is diagnosed at some point in our life uh, with cancer. So it's, it's That's so a staggering number, one. one in three. Is. Isn't that yeah, something it else? Is. It puts it in perspective.
3: Yeah, it does. And the the type of work that we do, we don't treat the disease, we treat the person holistically. Um, We just simply ask, how can we make your life better? We treat the whole family uh, in in a holistic way that complements traditional medicine and and the oncology so that they can focus on their discipline and we can focus on the well-being of the patient and the family.
0: So important, um, hugely important. An and I think important
3: you know part of the healing process is really the human touch and compassion and empathy in a world that is, as
0: as we see, is, is really lacking. That based, I think, because there's so much fear in the world. And that was that was kind of your parting message. But um, you know, you also shared a lot about your mom. Thank you for for that. Uh, it was very very meaningful. Uh, in 1998, she was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer. Uh, you called it quote unquote a profound piece of news. Uh, talk about your journey with with your mom. if you you would, particularly in its early stages. What was that like going through that with her?
3: My mother was always the strongest figure in the family, right? So to see her vulnerable and to get this diagnosis was so shocking to the entire family. It rocked our whole family, uh, destabilized it. Um, The unknown, how long will she survive? Will she survive? How bad is this? What is this? All these questions emerged from that. And thank goodness my sister worked in the hospital so she could really navigate a lot of the things that most people can't. And to be able to get to the bottom of a lot of these tests, why it's taking so long, what does that mean? Uh, And and thankfully, she could get us through that. But I was thinking, so what happening to other families? I mean, we talked a little bit about this on stage. So that was sort of the initial wave. And then what can I do to support my mother's journey? What what information do I need to tell? What what, what can I do? And and, then finding out that answer. That was a, a challenge that took some time.
0: Right, and then that, that was the key, key question, as you put it: if, if we we have this great resource in, in, in your, your sister who worked in the healthcare system, but what if others don't? And right. That was the impetus behind uh, the, center. Um, the center. And the information is coming at you so quickly when the doctor only has
3: a limited amount of time before they go to the next patient. Yeah. So, you know, it's like bring in a recorder and tape the conversation so you can remember it because it's just yeah. too overwhelming. Yeah. You don't know how to process it because fear gets in the way or another thought will dominate and you're no longer listening, you're out of the moment and all of these things occurred. So that was what was informing us on Okay, what, what are other people dealing with? How are they coping with this? Yeah. Do they right. have the skills? Right. You
0: know, some people do, some people don't. It's, it's a wonderful way to kind of take that um, and, and do something with it. Uh, you know, the center, as you said, is focused on treating the whole person, encompassing scientific and medical efforts as well as complementary care. I heard you talk about acupuncture, Reiki. Uh, you started in Maine, but you're branching out. Give listeners an update, if you would, on, on that, both in terms of the number of people you're helping and how you're expanding.
3: Right. So, the first quarter going into 2013. We are 57% up on what we were reaching last year, and that has a lot to do with our outreach to the the doctors and the. Uh, the oncologists really referrals. make it. They're, they're, they're doing the referrals. So they're, they're listening to their doctors and they're coming to us. And then they're also getting word of mouth from other patients who've been through or other family members who are getting benefit from the treatments that we're giving. So that's how it's been starting. Um, there are about 9,000 people that are newly diagnosed every year in Maine, maybe 10,000 now uh, because of covid a lot of people did not get in to get their screenings and now their cancer is a little bit further along and our need is that much greater um so we are now as i said 57 percent up so we're at 1600 people that we're servicing in the first quarter so and our goal is to really reach everyone who is newly diagnosed in the state of maine as well as staying with the survivors Mm -hmm. so that's where we're at we are in conversation with uh Uh, California, New Hampshire, and New York to have another center in connection and uh, collaboration with those people. And we're working in uh, 35 states now. Wow. And overseas as well. And overseas as well, yes.
0: Amazing. Um, So
3: we're slowly getting out there. The message is getting there, which is our goal, is to connect with other like-minded centers and to sort of spread the gospel, if you will, of complementary medicine. Mm -hmm.
0: And you talked about the importance of um, physicians being aware of it as as a resource for for their patients.
3: Yeah, because in my mom's treatment, and we talked about this a little bit, is that she had a doctor that was really good scientifically and sort of in that discipline, but just had a terrible benefit. Side manner. So it's really how do you bring compassion and empathy, care mm-hmm. uh, to a patient's life? I mean that makes a big difference. I mean it, yeah, it, it, yeah. it, it has a huge impact on one's healing uh, time frame.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and while they're you know uh, battling it you know, to, to maximize, yeah. the, their... you
3: want a safe place where you can be heard and you're not rushed. That you are meeting them uh, as human beings, not just safe as a number. Percent.
0: Yeah. Um, you spoke with Steve as we said about the importance of supporting the patient as well as the person which is the philosophy behind the center Uh, there's so much that goes into treating the whole person uh, when when they're battling this illness big topic but perhaps can you talk about where you see the biggest unmet need you know what aspects of a person's care are the most overlooked
3: well you know what we're seeing and and what the data is revealing is really the online services and emotional support groups are really key and the counselors that's that's number one Um, and certainly in rural Maine the ability to be able to communicate with someone if they're three hours away, if they can jump online, that saves them money as far as the fuel cost in getting to that place and also their home, right? Which is a much better place for them to be. We want to get them out of the hospital and back home in a a safer environment, a healthier environment. And you're seeing statistically that if you can get someone out of the hospital and back home, the survival rate, the recovery rate is that much greater. So we're seeing that through our online services, through Dempsey Connects. That's been something that has been accelerated due to COVID. Acupuncture Reiki, second and third in, 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 in services that we provide that are very popular. And of course, nutrition, yeah. online yoga,
0: meditation, things like that, all those wow. things. Oh, wow. terrific. Uh, you've cool. had an amazing career on both the small screen and the big screen. Uh, your IMDb, wow. Uh. <laughs> it's it's going to be 40 years next year that I've been in the business, which is remarkable. Yes, yeah, it's an amazing run. Talk about you, you're using your platform.
3: Well, it's been interesting because I played a doctor on television for so long. And I mean, you, if you're on television for that long, you make an impact and you have a platform. And I think it's easier for people to, to look at me as a doctor in a pseudo sort of way. Um, uh, and it's be to be able to use that platform in this way is... Is the most meaningful, and I think the whole purpose in life is to be of service. I mean, that's why we're here ultimately, and to take care of our community and to our, uh, take care of our family. And it's just an extension of all of that, and to have that visibility and fame around the world, people are becoming much more aware of the work that's being done at the center, and to be able to talk about that it was, uh, as opposed to oneself is much more meaningful.
0: That's, that's wonderful. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful way that you're using your platform. Uh, inspiration to the rest of us. Um, switch gears for a moment. You work with Amgen for 15 years, or so have worked with them on the Breakaway. Cancer now we're still foundation. with them. We're we're with,
3: still the, with them. So it all started with the Amgen Breakaway from Cancer initiative, with the Amgen Tour to California, which was a cycling event. And then uh, one of our big things in September 23rd, we do the cycling event that raises money that allows us to provide uh, the resources at no cost to our clients and to our community. Uh, so it started from that. We've had a great partnership over the last 15 years and it's been a really good working relationship.
0: Great. Uh, that you know, That's included that, that event. Um, you've also uh, published a patient stories that help others find real answers uh, by seeing others who have had their struggles. Um, ha- has that helped you uh, perhaps strengthen the bond with your mom, with the work that you did with pharma? Um, did, can talk, talk about how that, put that in perspective with your relationship with, with your mom.
3: Yeah, I mean, it goes hand in hand with the treatments, and I think you have to have a balance of all of that. Right. You know, and why not? If that's going to give your loved ones a better opportunity to survive and to live longer to live in a way that is productive then you, you want to have that collaboration there's a lot of great work that's being done there's a lot of negative work that's being done so it's it's hard so you want to find the right people I think at the end of the day there is humanity behind companies They most of the time they've been impacted uh, I think that's why our relationship has lasted so long it's important that if they're taking money from a community
0: to give back to that community it's very important it's the right thing to do And finding those partners Right, and then um, unfortunately, your your mom passed uh, in 2014. Obviously, you know that must have been an extremely emotional uh, moment for you and the family. Um, Can you talk about the importance of giving back through your advocacy and how that perhaps has helped you maybe process those emotions, or is that is that part of it? It's helped channel the emotion and sort
3: of empower you to feel good, uh, um, to be able to take that difficulty Like every difficulty that we have in life when you look at it in retrospect there's a gift in it Uh, from my mother she she lived a very long time after her diagnosis we had really good meaningful time together where we used it, we valued it, and I got a chance to communicate with her in a way that I probably wouldn't have, uh, in a much deeper way. Um, in her passing, there was, a for me, a sense of closure. I knew she was in a good place. It was time. Um, but not everyone in my family had the same... Um, feeling at the end. I mean, there's still some things that are unresolved, that they didn't get a chance to communicate with my mother, and and that will never happen, unfortunately. And, And anytime you lose a family member, the family dynamic has changed profoundly, and it's never the same. Mm-hmm. It can bring you together or it can separate you, and, and each family is, is, is different, and then the repercussions after the fact are still there, and that's why we treat a lot of the survivors uh, and a lot of the family members after the, the, the fact that a parent or a loved one has gone. It's never easy, and it's never something that happens overnight, and it affects everyone differently and in their
0: own time, and you have to respect that. Sure, sure. It's important to maximize the time we have while we have it. Speaking of, one, one Speaking of time. Speaking of time. Um, as, as Rodney Dangerfield once said, you know, I have one last question, but in four parts. Right, yes. Um, at each stage of the patient journey, I'm going to give you four stages. You tell me what the biggest need is that you see. First stage, experiencing symptoms.
3: Yeah, first stage is getting in there, getting screening, yeah. and then that time period of waiting for the screening to come back and getting the results. Mm-hmm. This is when we want to get in there and be able to help, support, uh, and start working working on the mental aspect and the emotional aspect uh, and giving them the tools that they need to be able to survive the highs and the lows and the unknown and to be present is the biggest challenge. And then also on the other side is once you go through that, that level of intensity through your treatment to the day where you're like, okay, treatment's over, goodbye, you're off into the world again, is a very scary time. And survivorship is another aspect that we have to talk about and to be able to support. We have people that are being diagnosed and treated and surviving, but then... You know they are sort of left to fend for themselves after that, and that's where we come in—is to be able to give them a home, to give them a sympathetic ear, to be able to help them and support them in survivorship, which is a scary time as well.
0: Right, and you have—you know—diagnosis and decision making, treatment, condition management; those come after, but you kind of sum that up nicely. So, um, I want to ask you in each of those, but. Um, you know, any other final, final thoughts on that? You know, kind of supporting the patient throughout the journey. What, what are the biggest uh, aspects that perhaps are overlooked?
3: I think, once again, we talked about this. is really having the compassion and the empathy and to understand we're all carrying something with us. We all have a story. Once you understand the story, it's much easier to really meet that person where they need to be met. And I think that's the important thing to remember.
0: Great. Well, thank you. It's a wonderful uh, to, to see how you're using your platform now uh, in service of others. It's inspiration for all of us. We've enjoyed seeing you on the small and the big screens, and we'd love to continue seeing more of you. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. I really yeah. appreciate it. Okay. I'm grateful. Thank you. Have a great day, and be safe. Health Policy Update with Lesha Bouchak.
1: In all the recent efforts to tackle high drug prices, pharmacy benefit managers have recently gotten the spotlight. Now there's a tangible bipartisan push in Congress to increase PBM oversight and transparency and reform how they work. Last week, bipartisan leaders at the Senate Help Committee, including Senators Bernie Sanders and Bill Cassidy, introduced a package that aims to reduce drug costs and reform PBMs. The bills were discussed at a help committee hearing Tuesday, where Sanders called out both the pharma industry and PBMs.
2: While the pharmaceutical industry blames the PBMs for high drug prices, and the PBMs blame the pharmaceutical industry for high drug prices, the reality is both of them are right, and that is something that we've got to do.
1: One of the bills in the package, the Pharmacy Benefit Manager Reform Act, would require PBMs to be more transparent with employers and insurance plans, and pass rebates to them. The bill would also ban PBMs from charging one price to a pharmacy, and a different one to an insurance plan, and then pocketing the difference. The goal is to lower health insurance premiums and save some $2 billion over 10 years. Sanders said the recent bipartisan push is just the tip of the iceberg on drug pricing reform efforts. Next week, the HELP Committee will hold another hearing on insulin prices and PBMs, with CEOs from Eli Lilly, Novo Nordisk, and Sanofi set to testify.
2: For anyone here who thinks that this is going to be the end of the work we do on prescription drugs, I got some bad news for you that it could be the case. Uh, this is not the end, this is the beginning.
1: In the meantime, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy has called attention to mental health yet again. This time, he's pinpointed loneliness as a public health threat. In an op-ed in the New York Times, as well as a video posted to his Twitter, Murthy opened up about his own struggles with loneliness and argued that increasing social disconnect has become an epidemic in the U.S., Loneliness can increase a person's risk of heart disease, dementia, and stroke. It can also raise the risk of premature death at a rate comparable to smoking daily.
0: This widespread disconnection presents profound threats to our health and well being. Social connection is as fundamental to our mental and physical health as food, water, and sleep. And it affects our performance and productivity at work, school, and in our communities. Now is the time to invest in building. Social connection.
1: In an advisory, Murthy laid out three initiatives to foster social connection strengthening school based, workplace, and community programs, redefining our relationship with technology, and taking steps in our personal lives to rebuild connections. I'm Lesha Bouchak, senior reporter at MMNM. Social media, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok. Twitter, YouTube, social media update.
0: And this is the part of the broadcast when we welcome Jack O'Brien to tell us what's trending on healthcare social media. Hey, Jack.
2: Yeah, we've got three stories that we're going to dive into. First up is Michael J. Fox gave a moving, eight-minute-long interview with CBS Sunday Morning, where he told host Jane Pauley that he is unlikely to reach the age of 80 due to the effects of Parkinson's disease, which he's been afflicted with for more than 30 years. Fox, who has been a leading advocate and fundraiser for research into the incurable degenerative disease, spoke candidly about the effects on his body, as well as the latest breakthroughs in terms of identifying the condition earlier and treating it.
1: I had a tumor of my spine. And, and, and yeah, it was benign, but it messed up my walking, And then uh, uh, started to break stuff. <laughs> broke, broke this arm, I broke this arm, I broke this elbow, I broke my face, I broke my hand. Falling on things. I'm falling, which is a big killer with Parkinson's. It's falling and aspirating food and pneumonia, all these subtle ways that gets you. You don't die from Parkinson's, you die with Parkinson's. I'm not gonna be 80, I'm not gonna be 80.
2: And one thing that I think is interesting as we dive into this first aspect is Lesha actually wrote about a story this week in terms of a social media campaign to try and address Parkinson's disease. And while there's no science necessarily behind it yet. The thought is at least to try and help people use their body and, and keep those muscles active so they don't atrophy.
1: Right. It's uh, actually a, a development of an app called Scrolling Therapy by a Brazil-based pharma company, Europharma, uh, in collaboration with Dentsu. And um, they use AI in the app basically to recognize people's facial expressions uh, so a patient with Parkinson's can smile or make a frown. And then those different facial expressions will trigger um, engagement with social media. So liking a video would be triggered by a smile, for example. And the idea is to help people with Parkinson's continue to exercise their facial muscles since uh, loss of facial movement in there, you know, is is one of the aspects of Parkinson's. Um, and you know, the disclaimer is that the FDA has not, you know, evaluated this or said that this is a preventive tool or that it does anything to slow the progression. But the people who developed have the hope that it could be helpful to patients with Parkinson's.
2: And it was interesting, too, in the story that you wrote, there was a patient that was quoted as saying, like, I have to look in my in the mirror every day. And I can't control my body or I, you know, they're kind of almost acknowledging how trapped they feel. And this is, even if it's not FDA approved, like you talk about, it at least gives them the hope that Mm -hmm. I can do something. I can at least have this control over this little thing in my life.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah, even anecdotally, it sounds like a really smart use of technology in the service of healthcare. And um, just to, I'll, I'll kind of comment here from a uh, kind of a uh, broad awareness perspective. I think anytime, you know, somebody like Michael J. Fox gets on on a national news program like this and talks about, uh, his battle, you know, with Parkinson's, it goes so far, you know, to raise our our collective consciousness about this disease. Keep the focus on R and D, um, and hopefully, you know, keep keep pushing um, on that front. We naturally c- connect to the to the star athlete, you know, or, or the actor that we grew up with. Um, so, so you know, there's there's a natural bond there, and so it's uh, you know very moving. Obviously, to see him, it's heartbreaking, as you pointed out, you know, how he's so frank about. Uh, his own mortality. but um you know it it, it just speaks to the power of
2: uh, the celebrity connection and and the and the one-on- one interview you know to to help raise our consciousness and it's interesting too the fact that you know he talks about in the interview and we've written about it before too that just how much more fundraising has been going into Parkinson's, you know through his work through I think you wrote a story about Sergey Brin had put you know a quite a significant part of his fortune behind research into the disease. And these are things that, you know, unfortunately Michael J. Fox is probably not going to ultimately live to see, but it gives others hope, you know, in their own battle with the disease. So we're obviously keeping him in our thoughts as things progress. The second point that I wanted to bring up here was a, um, unfortunately TikTok challenge has gone wrong. And I know Lesha has gone down the rabbit hole I think, probably more times than she would care to in terms of TikTok and the effects that it has on users. But there were two examples I wanted to highlight from the past couple of weeks. The mother of a 16-year-old boy in North Carolina was speaking out after he was badly burned in a social media challenge where he was using a lighter and spray paint to try and replicate the effects of a blowtorch, which you know predictably had the results that you would expect. And this came weeks after an Ohio 13-year-old died after overdosing on Benadryl as part of the Benadryl challenge, which you can you know, sum up your own guess as to what that is, taking high levels of a uh, over-the-counter prescription drug. And it kind of talks about, I think, Lesha, every article that you've written about TikTok, there's always the take it with a grain of salt, don't take it literally. And certainly if you're a, a teenager, very impressionable, you know, these co- sort of things can happen.
1: Right. The kind of don't try this at home disclaimer should be on the vast majority of these videos, I would think. Um I know TikTok has acknowledged that it needs to address some of these things, but um, I'm not sure. You know, I know the Benadryl challenge has been around for a while, mm-hmm. and I think the FDA, I believe the FDA, put out an advisory about it a while ago, saying that this is um, very dangerous, and it's still happening, which is concerning.
0: Yeah, the, the whole challenge aspect on, on TikTok, um, you know, is uh, perhaps more concerning uh, than the DIY uh, thread, you know, which we talked about last week, um, which, uh, you know, where does the DIY, uh, you know, theme end, you know, if, if, is my proctologist going to say, you know, DIY, uh, colon cancer tests, you know, that's, that's where I draw the <laughs> line on those. But, um, you know, this, uh, you know, it's funny, we discovered all these kind of tricks when we were kids just, uh, in, in the playground, you know, like replicating a blowtorch, but, uh, you know, social media just kind of magnifies it and, uh, takes it to a whole other level.
2: So. Yeah. There's a certain level of common sense that has to come with it. And the final point that we want to talk about was the um, was Lesha's reporting this week on the mental health awareness campaign from Maybelline and Pinterest. They're rolling out a behavioral health campaign to empower young people. And it's kind of interesting how Pinterest, I mean, we always have this conversation about the effects of social media, especially on people's health. And you know, Lesha's doing the reporting on Vivek Murthy talking about loneliness. And then Pinterest is basically coming out there saying, no, we want you to use our platform to find the things you like, to find the social connections, to find these threads that bring deeper meaning. And Lesha, I want to throw it to you just because you you wrote about it, and obviously it's a a, a pretty stand up effort both from Pinterest and Maybelline too.
1: Yeah, I know. I think it's interesting because we've heard a lot of about the research about the negative health, mental health effects of scrolling on all of these social media platforms, and TikTok even uh, placed a time uh, limit for, I believe, uh, kids under the age of eighteen recently to kind of battle that. But it's interesting because Pinterest is trying to turn that around and say that. As a brand, we want to be a social media platform that is good for people's mental health. <laughs> so I think that's what they're trying to do with this. And you know, they they kind of they released a report also that showed that um, there's been a significant increase in searches on Pinterest when it comes to um, some mental health related channels like art therapy, musical therapy. So people are searching on Pinterest for these kinds of inspiration for mental health, and I think they're trying to build upon that.
2: And it's interesting that you talk about the music therapy. I know that you've written in the past on different companies like Walgreens had their music therapy and all these different organizations. I think Amazon was another one that had one recently where people are really saying, hey, it doesn't have to be, it'd be great if you were going and talking to a therapist or talking to a professional, but if it's journaling, if it's art therapy, if it's music therapy, there are ways that you can improve your mood and make yourself feel less lonely.
0: Definitely. I think it's smart that uh, you left this last one uh, in the third spot. And I like this new format, um, uh, because of, of, you know, obviously the uh, importance of mental health awareness, um, uh, the number of, of people that are now, um, you know, have mental health challenges, which were exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, and it's interesting that Pinterest is, uh, kind of positioning itself as the, uh, as the friendly, the good, um, the therapeutic, uh, social media platform, you know, that's, uh, that we find, you know, can use to find, uh, Constructive, creative uh, outlets, um, and uh, I guess it was a matter of time before one of them tried to separate themselves out from you know the quote-unquote evil ones. Yeah, uh, like uh, where, where we've seen a lot of the studies, uh, like. Uh, or just you know in the news recently um i think uh, uh social media was called out as um c- contributing to a teen suicide you know for the first time um a few months ago uh and uh, uh you know the, the unhealthy amounts of time that uh, teens are, are spending on these channels um
2: so um you know be really interesting to see um you know to what extent uh this helps yeah, it is interesting you talk about it too, just differentiating themselves. Like Obviously, Twitter's going through its own chaos. Facebook and Instagram have their own lengthy history. Even Reddit you go to, and there's issues there, YouTube, and then Pinterest is like, hey, if you want to put your vision board together and you want to pursue your own interests and things that make you happy, that's what we're here for. So it is an interesting way to differentiate themselves on that point. And good on Maybelline too. I mean, Maybelline... Yeah talked about the fact that they always want to be there. And obviously skincare and makeup is another thing that goes into self-esteem, especially with young users online. So good on both of them for stepping up here, along with other brands that have made mental health a priority this month. Yeah, at
0: least nominally
2: so. Mm
0: That's it for this week. The MMM Podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Gordon Failer, Lesha Buschak and Jack O'Brien. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sohn. Rate, review, and follow every episode wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes out every week. And be sure to check out our website, mmm-online.com, for the top news stories in pharma marketing.